Good morning. Hey everybody, how are you doing? What a beautiful day. Sunshine, capital of New Zealand. Wellington City. So you are welcome. I have graced you with this beautiful weather. And but I'm Jay, but it's absolutely awesome to be here. Love your pastors uh, who are on sabbatical at the moment. Can we pray hands together and honor Pastor Tom and Sue's and uh, how amazing is that you're blessed with great pastors in this church. Come on, let's honor them. And um, a big thank you to Amber and Sonia for looking after me. You are blessed with amazing leaders uh, in the church. Can we uh, thank them as well? And uh, you guys are great. Absolutely amazing. And uh, I was telling Amber when I arrived yesterday, um, the flight here was quicker than uh, driving in Wellington City from my house to, to, to my office. I might live in Blenheim and work in Wellington. I think it's better uh, and quicker to get there, but great to be here. What an amazing church, honest truth. Um, not that I'm going to lie for the rest of the service, but uh, I love it when preachers say honest truth, and you're like, hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, as I travel around the nation, I always bump into somebody, and they um, always ask me, hey, where are you from? I say, I'm from Elam Church, and nine out of ten times, somebody will say to me, I used to go to Elam Blenheim. Uh, now, when they say Elam, uh, my brain automatically glows Blenheim. Um, what an amazing church that people have gone from this church to all the different parts uh, of New Zealand. So, uh, thank you for being an amazing church, and uh, great to be here. Great to see what's happening at the school, and uh, uh, fantastic um, uh, to see the next generation being raised and shaped up for the glory of God. I bring you um, greetings from our church, but also um, I have a photo of my family. Uh, Shaz was with me a couple of years ago when we were here um, preaching. She preached at your night service. Uh, we had one kid back then. Now we've got two children. Uh, that's why my hairstyle is like this. And uh, uh, Shaz and I, we've been married for uh, 14 years. It'll be 15 next year. Uh, she is an amazing wife, and we are blessed to be uh, leading our church together in Wellington. Uh, then we have Josh, um, who's our oldest boy. He'll be turning 10 in October. He loves making movies, and uh, we are encouraging him to do that because, uh, you know, he puts it all on YouTube, and he just loves doing that. Uh, we are encouraging him to do that because he's our retirement plan. We're hoping that he'll make movies uh, and that he'll look after us. Jackson uh, is four, um, and he loves the Lord. Uh, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, he watched this YouTube clip of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life. Let me tell you, he is in love with Jesus. Uh, he went to kindergarten the following week and told them everybody about Jesus and said, Jesus is real. And the kindy kids said to him, Jackson, Jesus is not real. Uh, and I said to him, what did you do? He said, Dad, I raised my voice. And I said, Jesus is alive. He is real. Uh, and I said to him, what did the other kids said? They said, um, okay, Jackson, Jesus is real. Uh, and um, and then a few months later, actually, as I was getting ready for um, church, um, I walked into the lounge, and uh, his Xbox game wasn't working. And I saw him um, with my own eyes praying for the Xbox. He said, in, in Jesus' mighty name, work. Uh, and it worked. Uh, and then I heard him say, praise be to Jesus. So uh, I think he's going to be an evangelist. Uh, and uh, we are really excited about that. And uh, so I love my kids, love my family. And um, today I want to speak to us about having unshakable joy. Unshakable joy. Everybody say joy. And I love the songs we sang at church today, and uh, they didn't even know I was speaking on joy, and they were singing about joy. Uh, there is joy in the house of the Lord. 
Let me tell you, if there's a place where there should be joy, it's the house of the Lord. Because I love the verse where David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Not sad, not mad, not grumpy. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I want us to focus on how to have joy in the midst of challenging circumstances. And one of my favorite people in the entire Bible is the Apostle Paul. I love Paul in the Bible. Paul is the most qualified person to speak on this topic. He talks about joy uh, in the book of Philippians. Uh, and also in, in, in Acts, we read about Saul and Paul and Silas. Uh, they, were, uh, they were in a prison in Philippi, beaten, chained, uh, and locked up. And miraculously, God set them free as they began to praise uh, and worship God. Uh, while he was in prison, uh, in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about learning how to have joy no matter what. Uh, in fact, Paul uh, mentions the word joy or rejoice uh, 16 times. It's clear. Uh, it's a theme in the book of Philippians. And the irony of this book is that, uh, as I mentioned, he wrote these letters uh, in a prison. Paul wasn't in Hawaii, uh, you know, looking at the beach, uh, watching the sunset, or he wasn't playing golf, or uh, he wasn't in a hotel when he writes these words, rejoice or joy. Here he is in a Roman jail. The Roman jail would be nothing like our prisons today. Uh, you know, it would have been underground. There was no light. He was in maximum security, chained to a palace guard every four hours. He had a new um, security guard. Um, you know, he was chained uh, with no food, even a dark dingy prison, awaiting execution in the city. Uh, uh, the city of Rome um, was his dream city to go and to preach. Uh, but he, instead of preaching to thousands, here is Paul locked up in a prison, in a dark, dingy prison, because God had other plans for him. And instead of preaching, he's arrested and he's in a jail. Despite his dire circumstances, he writes these words in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6 in your notes it's on the screen. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I, wanna, I want to ask everybody in this room, if you were in Paul's situation, would you say those words? I thank God for you every time I think of you. Let me tell you, if I was in a prison, dark, dingy prison, chained, uh, locked up, I won't be saying <laughs> rejoice, joy. Uh, I'll be like, get me out of here. What is taking so long? Why, please, somebody get moving. Instead, Paul is saying, I thank God every time I remember you. He says the words, he uses the words rejoice, thank, thank God for you, joy. Uh, you know, our, our natural tendency, our human nature, when we go through tough times, is to complain. Uh, become negative, we start whinging, we have bad attitudes when things go the way we don't want them to go. Am I the only person, um, are you, why are you all looking at me like, boy, we never do that. I know it never happens in Blenheim, Elam, but it's the rest of the country. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's so easy to become so negative and we have a bad attitude the moment things don't go our way. And that's why the book of Philippians 
uh, is so relevant to all of us because it teaches us how to have joy when we go through tough times. Maybe you're here today and you're going through a tough time. Let me tell you, you're not here by accident. God has brought you here for a plan and a purpose. You're here by divine appointment. And I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that something will happen in your heart. You can boldly declare the joy of the Lord is my strength. And, and Paul shows us how to have joy um, when we go through challenging circumstances. Uh, here's the reality. All of us have bad days. Anyone, you've had a bad day recently? We all have bad days. Bad days are inevitable. There's no such thing as a problem-free life. One of the marks of a mature Christian is how we handle bad days. See, do you realize that our God specializes in, in bringing something good out of our bad days. And I love Joseph in the Bible. He said, what was intended to harm me, God turned it around for good. And I love Paul's attitude in these letters. He's confident that he who, he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Can I encourage you with this? If God has started a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it. Remember, Paul is not saying these words on a stage. He's not on the platform preaching. He's writing these words in a prison. Here he is in a dark, dingy prison. And he has this amazing confidence in God. He who has begun a good work in me is faithful to complete it. How does Paul do that? How do you have that joy, unspeakable, unshakable joy in the midst of challenging times? How do you stay positive in a prison, confidence in God, despite all he was going through that? How did he do it? Listen carefully. As you study the book of Philippians, you notice that Paul had something far better than happiness. Far, far better than happiness. He had this unshakable joy. Most of us here today, we are in the pursuit of happiness. In fact, there is a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. Our human desire is to have a perfect life where everything goes well. All of the time we have, uh, you know, we, we want blue sky like today, blue skies, perfect weather, perfect children. You saw a picture of my children. They look perfect. They're well behaved in that photo. Let me tell you, 99.9% .9 of the time, they don't sit like little angels, I'm like, Josh, Jax, come here, you know, get moving. We've got to go to church. We're in a rush. You know, put with them in the car. And you get there, and Jackson's like, I need to go to the toilet. I'm like, I told you. Uh, you, know, you know, you think everything's perfect. You know, you look at someone's social media. You look at their highlights, and you think they have a perfect life. Let me tell you, nobody puts their behind the scenes on social media. Anyone know what I'm talking about? See, often we look at someone, and we look at their perfect life, and think that's what I want. The reality is that life never works out that way. You know, today I want you to, I want to talk to you about something that supersedes happiness. Truth be told, only a few people actually discover it. Today I want you to stop pursuing happiness and start discovering this greater principle of joy. The reality is there is a big difference between happiness and joy. Let me encourage you to write this down. Happiness is dependent on external circumstances. Joy is found within. Happiness is dependent on external circumstances. 
joy is found within. Happiness is determined, uh, dependent on external factors. When things outside of you are great, guess what? We're happy. When the sun's shining on a Sunday, I'm a happy pastor. When it's raining, I am not happy. In fact, I don't even put the window wipers because I'm a man of faith. I'm like, the rain's going to stop any minute. Uh, and when the rain, stop, rain stops, the wind starts in Wellington. I'm like, what is going on? You know, happiness is dependent on external factors. Uh, you know, but joy is found within, meaning joy is not based on the conditions of the circumstances around me. Guess what? You can be in a storm and still have joy. Because, because Jesus is in your boat. You have this peace. You have this unshakable joy. Have you noticed, have you observed two different groups of people? They go through the same situation, but they react differently. They can face the same circumstances, yet have different reactions to it. Why? The reason is some choose to dwell in and on the situation, while others don't. They don't let external circumstances determine their inner joy. Can I tell you, can I encourage you with this this morning? When it comes to worship, you don't have to have your life all falling into place in order to worship. Don't let the external situations determine your worship to God. Because we are called to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Here's another one. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. This guy had a rough life, tough life. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lists all the things he went through. Listen to this. Five times he received the 39 lashes that Jesus received. The Bible says, the Bible says he was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. I mean, he was stoned. And let me be clear, I'm not talking about the recreational kind. I mean, they threw rocks at him to, to kill him. Some of you didn't get it, but that's all right. Uh, it goes on and on and on. I mean, this guy, this guy had it rough. And this is what amazes me about Paul. Then he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles. I mean, I just listed all the things he went through. And then Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles. You had a bad week? Just go through that list again that I just mentioned to you about Paul. He's saying, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what, are, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He's like, outwardly, I'm wasting away, but inwardly, I have a different dynamic going on. That's my hope for all of us today. That's my hope for you today. When you go through bad days, tough days, you have an outward dynamic that is different from your inward dynamic, an inward dynamic that is different to your outward dynamic. But let me tell you, you're in trouble if the outward dynamic determines your inward dynamic. Don't let external factors determine your inner peace. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state of being. Here's another one. Happiness comes from the environment you're in, but joy comes from God. Joy comes 
from God. Can I get an amen this morning? In other words, you are totally, according to happiness, you are totally at the mercy of your environment. The circle that you're standing in, let me tell you, don't let the circle you're standing in determine your inward dynamic because joy offers something far better than that. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on your relationship with Christ. Let me tell you, Christianity is not about a religion. Christianity is about a relationship. Here's another truth and about happiness and joy. Write this down. Happiness evaporates in suffering. Joy is intensified in suffering. Happiness evaporates in suffering. Joy is intensified in suffering. When tough times come, happiness disappears. But joy is different. Joy is strengthened in the tough times. Joy is strengthened in the storm, in the fire, in the shakings, and criticisms, and challenges, and pressures of life. Here's the last point about happiness and joy. Happiness is temporary, like my hairstyle. Joy is everlasting. Happiness is temporary. Joy is everlasting. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This beaten, bleeding apostle is in the underground prison. He's grateful and is full of joy. Paul discovered that joy outweighs happiness. Joy outweighs happiness. I want that. Anyone else in this room, you want that in your life? Unshakable joy. I want that for my life. I want that for you. I want that, I want that for every person here in this room, every person watching online. Let me tell you, it's available to all of us today. So the question is, how do we discover this joy that Paul is talking about? What was the secret? Paul shares three keys to his secret based on first, um, first, uh, the first chapter of, of the book of Philippians. Write this down. The first thing Paul would say to you and me today, if Paul was preaching here, this is what, it would, this is what he would say. Have the right perspective. Have the right perspective. Have you ever been in, a, in the middle of a situation and you found yourself asking God this question, why? Why me? Why am I going through this, God? Let me tell you, you can die in your whys. If you dwell in your whys, you'll never find your solution. If you stay in your whys, you'll never find the solution. You will be stuck trying to figure it all out. You'll be going round and around, wondering why, 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 why is this happening to me? Why, why, why? Let me tell you, there, there, are, there are things that happen in this world. There are things that happen to us. Sometimes I don't know why it happened to us, why it happens in this world. I know there will be a Q&A session in heaven that I will stand before God and He will give me an answer for every question that I have. Uh, but Jesus, and the Bible is very clear in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul knew in the midst of all this trouble, in the midst of all these things he was going through, God had a plan and a solution. So second, uh, in Philippians 1, 12, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul is saying, I don't know why this is all happening to me, but I know one thing. This is advancing the gospel. 
He's saying, I happen to, this has happened to me to help advance the gospel. Paul refused to ask why. Instead, he asked what. Instead of asking why, he started asking questions like, what is God doing in this situation? Can I encourage you to do the same? Instead of saying, why, why am I going through this? Can you ask God, God, what are you, doing? What are you trying to do here? What are you trying to do in this situation? What are you trying to teach me? It's in that question you would discover joy. That you will discover that God is up to something powerful. God is at work. So have the right perspective. Don't let someone else shape your perspective. I heard about these three guys. They were working at a construction site. One was, a, was an Australian and the other one was a uh, was an Irishman, and the other one was an Italian, and, and every day during lunchtime, they'll come together, and they'll have lunch together. They'll sit by this bridge, and they'll take their sandwiches, and they'll, you know, have lunch, and the Italian opened his lunchbox, and he goes, salami, I'm sick and tired of salami. If my wife packs me salami again, I'm going to jump off the bridge. The, the Irishman opened his lunchbox, and he goes, potato salad. I'm sick and tired of potato salad. If my wife packs potato salad again, I, I'm going to jump off the bridge too. The third man, the Australian, opened his lunchbox, and he goes, Vegemite. He goes, I'm sick and tired of Vegemite. And he goes, if I get Vegemite sandwich again, I'm going to jump off the bridge too. The next day, here they were. The Irishman opened his lunchbox. He goes, potato salad. I can't believe I got potato salad. He threw his lunchbox jumped off the bridge. The, the Italian opened his lunchbox and he goes, salami. He goes, I'm sick and tired of salami. He, he threw, off the lunch, threw his lunchbox, jumped off the bridge. The Australian, he couldn't wait to open his lunchbox. He opened his lunchbox, Vegemite. He threw his lunchbox and jumped off the bridge. A week later, the three widows, they were crying at the funeral and the Irish widow said, I don't know why my husband jumped off the bridge. I wish he had told me he was sick of potato salad. I would have made him something different. The, the Italian widow said, I'm the same. I wish my husband told me he didn't like salami because I would have packed him something different. The Australian widow said, I'm a little bit confused. I don't know why my husband jumped off the bridge because he packed his own lunch. <laughs> Any Australians in the house? Listen, if you start asking questions why, if you keep asking the question why, you're just going to follow the crowd. You're just going to follow anyone and anything. Instead of asking why, you ask the question, God, what are you trying to do in my life? Maybe you're in the storm. Maybe you're in the storm. And have you ever noticed palm trees, they bend in a storm but they don't break. They come back up. The storm is not sent to break you. The storm is sent to make you. You may be in a storm and you will realize that God is with you in the storm and have the right perspective. Don't just follow this person and that person and jump off the bridge just because that's what they're doing. Ask God, God, what are you trying to do in my life? Have the right perspective. Number two, look for the best in every situation. You want to have joy, look for the best in every situation. Do you want to know what God was up to with, with the Apostle Paul? Guess what? He ended up writing some of, the, some of the New Testament. Guess what? He discovered new opportunities. You know, in, in every bad day is a new opportunity. Look for those opportunities. 
Philippians 1, 13 to 14, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul is saying, okay, if I don't get to preach on stage in front of thousands of people in my dream city, I will preach to the guy I'm chained to. Did you realize that Paul was chained to the, to the palace guards? And, and these are not just ordinary soldiers. These are the best of the best. They, they were the elite troops of the Roman Empire. When they retired, after 12 years, they were made leaders in Rome. So here's the thing. Paul had one of those future leaders of Rome chained to him every four hours. Listen to this carefully. Paul would have witnessed to 4,380 guards while he was in that prison. So Paul saw the bigger picture. He saw the bigger picture. Yes, this door closed, but God's opened a new door. That's about having, that's about having the right perspective. Paul is saying, I'm getting done more in here than I would get done on stage. Some of you, you are complaining about your job. You're complaining about your boss. You're complaining about your co-worker. Today, I pray that God's changed your perspective. Tomorrow morning, let me tell you, your workplace is your church. Your workplace is your mission field. Let me tell you, we, we are not called to come to church and, and just sing four songs and listen to somebody preach and we leave and forget about church. Do you realize that we are called to be the church wherever we are? We don't go to church. We are the church. Can I get an amen this morning? So tomorrow, when you go to work, you realize that God is at work. Look for the good in every situation. I love this, Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. What you're going through right now, God can turn it around for good. Number three, my final point. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Keep the main thing, the main thing. If I could ask the keyboard player to join me. A lot of things matter to us, but in the, in the light of eternity, it's only a few things that really matters. When we go through tough times, we need the wisdom and the discernment to distinguish the trivial from the significant. You can live based on problems or priorities. You can live your life based on problems or priorities. Paul is saying, if you want to know how to get over a bad day, refocus on what really matters. Focus on what really counts. And I love this, Philippians 1, 15 to 18. If it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, the latter do so, but out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Paul is saying, hey guys, don't let the criticism, don't let this don't let the opposition, don't let those things stir things up. Focus on what really matters. Paul is like, I don't care about the criticism. I don't care about the opposition. What really matters is that Christ is preached. What really matters is that Christ is preached. In other words, Paul is saying, keep the main thing, the main thing. 
He's saying, stop focusing on trivial things that stir you up and instead focus on what really matters. Paul is saying, instead of all of that, I'm going to rejoice. And I love this. And he says, and again, I say, rejoice. Paul is saying, focus on the main thing. You know, these guys said to Paul, Paul, we're going to lock you up, put you in prison. And he was like, that's great. I might start on the book of Colossians. I might keep writing. And they were like, oh my goodness, if that doesn't scare you, we're going to kill you. He was like, you know, that would be great because I have this dilemma. Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's like, I can't decide which one is better. Because if I, if, I, if I stay, I get to preach. I get to write the New Testament, some of the books in the New Testament. But if I die, I get to see Jesus. I mean, what do, you, what do you do to a guy like this? When you have that kind of attitude, guess what? You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a good woman down. Paul is, Paul's like, you know, I've discovered something far better than happiness. I've got joy. I've got joy, joy, joy down in my heart. None of these things can touch me. Let me finish with this. Paul is in prison. They've taken everything away from him. His friends, ministry, freedom, privacy. They took everything from him except one thing that cannot be taken away. And that is a purpose to live for. A purpose to live for. Do you realize that God created you for a purpose? There's more to life. You were created for a purpose. Today, in a moment, I'm going to pray for people here in this room. And I pray that today, no matter what you are facing right now, you can declare. Oh, I love that. Bringing life, hope, and purpose. I didn't see that until now, but the confirmation that you were created for a purpose. I'm going to close with a story. I'm originally from Sri Lanka. Um, Sri Lanka is known for two things. Um, we were the Cricket World Champions in 1995. We haven't done well since then. I'm the only one who's still talking about it. But we are also famous for Dilma tea. Anyone, you've had Dilma tea, raise your hand. If you haven't, please do try it. And um, I don't know if it's a bit too soon because Muriel passed away, you know, amazing man of God. He's actually a born-again Christian. But I remember when we were living in Sri Lanka because of the Civil War, my parents decided to move to the UK. And, and I'll never forget, my parents showed up at the embassy in Colombo. And the immigration officer denied our visas. And I'll never forget him saying to my parents, you'll never go to the UK. And he, he denied um, our visas. And uh, I was about 15 years old at that time. And I remember hearing those words, you will never go to the UK. And um, we went home and we were like, we thought that was God's will for us to move to the UK. And then um, a couple of days later, my mom and dad were like, we, we need to try again. So we... We, we filled out these application forms. We got in a little tuk-tuk. Anyone know what a little tuk-tuk is? Like a rich show thing. And we got in this tuk-tuk and we said to the guy, can you take us to the embassy as soon as we can? I mean, look, look as you can. And he was driving so fast. We were like, buddy, would you mind slowing down? We don't want to go to heaven yet. We were trying to go to the embassy. But we were two minutes late and the guy closed the door. 
uh, the, the security officer closed the door. That was God's way of saying, um, that's the wrong door. As a family, we were heartbroken. We were shattered. We thought, man, what is going on? And then one of my brothers who, were, who was living in the UK moved to New Zealand. And, and we moved to New Zealand. And um, uh, two years later, ended up here in 1999. And um, New Zealand is home. But here's the interesting thing. I'll never forget those words that, that um, immigration officer said to our family. You will never go to the UK. Here's the thing. You know, the last six or seven years. I've been to the UK over six or seven times. I've actually preached in the UK. I was there in, in May, just this May, preached at our Elam conference there. But the, the point of my story is that every time I arrive at the Heathrow airport, I say these words, look who is here. <laughs> look who is here. In my head, I have a praise party. I'm like, mm, mm, mm. I just want to find that immigration officer. And I want to say to him, look who is here. I don't say it out loud because they'll arrest me and deport me back to New Zealand. And then New Zealand will want me to deport me back to, um, to Sri Lanka. But what I'm trying to say is that our God specializes in opening doors that no man can close. And he closes doors that no man can open. Maybe some, there are people here today, you feel like there's been a door that's, that was closed on you this week. Today, God wants you to know you can have joy even when a door closes. You can have door. Sorry, you can have joy. You can have a door too. Uh, you, can have, you can have joy no matter what you're facing. You can have joy in a storm. You can have joy in a prison. You can have joy in the valley. While every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here today and you're like, Boyd, I need joy. I need that joy. I need to stop asking questions why. Why did that happen to me? Why did that door close? Why is this happening to me? I need to stop asking that question. Today, I'm making a declaration. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing in my life? What is it? Some of you, you need to have the right perspective. Maybe you've been listening to this person and that person and that opinion and this opinion. God is saying, stop following the crowd. Follow the cloud. Follow God. What is God saying to you? His ways are higher than our ways. Some of you, you need to make a decision. I'm going to look for the best in every situation. Maybe something didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But today, you're saying, yes, what was intended to harm, God will turn it around for good. If you're here today and you're like, boy, I need that joy. I need joy in my life. Would you mind standing to your feet? I'd love to pray for you. This is not something to be embarrassed about. Today you are making a declaration. You're making a stand. I don't need happiness. I need joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If that is you, if you're standing, would you mind lifting your hands to the heavens? I want to pray for you very quickly. Lord, I pray for every person standing here in this room right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare the joy of the Lord is our strength. What was intended to harm us, you will turn it around for good. So no matter what is happening right now, God, we declare the joy of the Lord is our strength. You are going before us. You are fighting for us. You're opening the right doors, closing all the wrong doors. But we choose joy 
in the midst of all the trials, all the challenges, we declare that you are at work. You are at work. You specialize in turning, uh, you know, the, bringing the best out of every bad days that we go through, that we face. Because you live, because you live, we can face tomorrow. Our future is not in the hands of our employer. Our future is not in the hands of our government. Our future is in the hands of the Almighty God. So we thank you. We have this confidence that He who has begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it. So God, I pray for every person right now standing here in this room. God, would you fill their hearts with the joy of the Lord? Not hype, Lord, not happiness, but the joy of the Lord. So we thank you. God, I pray that you give us eyes of faith, not eyes of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So Lord, as we enter a brand new week, Help us to look for those opportunities. God, in the midst of our challenges and trials, help us to be like Paul, for me to live as Christ. So Holy Spirit, wherever we go, whatever we do, would you use us for the glory of your name? We choose joy. Would you declare these words after me? I choose joy. Would you say it out nice and loud for a couple of times? I choose joy. I choose joy. I choose joy in the mighty name of Jesus. Let there be joy in the house of the Lord. Let there be joy in the house of the Lord. I declare that this church will be known as a house of joy. People in Blenheim will come in even before a song is sung, a word is spoken. People will walk in and go, there's something different about this place. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. God, I pray that we'll carry joy into our workplaces, into our community, in, into, into, our, into our schools, into, into every, every place that you've called us to be the church. I pray that we will be known as carriers of joy, carriers of joy. We will bring healing where there is no healing. We, oh Lord, I pray, we will bring joy where there is hopelessness, that we'll be carriers of hope. We thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. If you receive that, can we give Jesus a shout of praise? Come on, let's put our hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Before I hand it back to Amber, while every eye closed, every head bowed, I never like to close our services without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I talked about joy being found in Christ. It's about a relationship with them. Let me tell you, Christianity is not about a religion. It's about a relationship. Religion, in, 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 in a religion, acceptance is based at the end after an assessment. Religion says you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do that, you've got to say this, you've got to say that. But in a relationship, acceptance comes at the start. Because on the cross, Jesus said it is finished. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was education, God would have sent us a philosopher. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But your greatest need, my greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. And that's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Who does he mean by the world? He means you. I really believe there are three categories of people here in this room. You need to make a decision to accept Jesus into your life. There's a group of people. There's a category, first category. You've never been in a relationship You've been coming to church, but you're not walking with the Lord. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. 
on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to quickly put your hand up. And when you put your hand up, I'm going to acknowledge you. Then you can put your hand up. Let me tell you, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you know, ask for forgiveness. He, he forgives you of your sins. Your past is forgiven. You have a brand new future in Christ Jesus. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. The second category, maybe you were walking in a relationship with them, but you walked away from God. But today, God is saying it's time to come home. God's calling you by name. God is saying, come recommit your life to Him. If that is you, if you're in that category, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up as well. And there's the third category. Maybe there are people here today, maybe you're like 45, walked in front of a bus, and got hit by a bus. I hope that doesn't happen to you. But what I'm trying to say is, you want that assurance that you will be with them in heaven. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your past, your background. If you're here today and you're like, Lord, I need to get my life right with God. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. I would love to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up, and I'd love to pray for you. When you lift your hand up, guess what? Peace is going to come flooding into your life. Joy is going to come flooding into your life. Hope is going to come flooding into your life. Purpose is going to come flooding into your life. And I'd love to pray for you wherever you are. While every eye closed, every head bowed, on the count of three, if that is you, would you mind putting putting your hand up if you're saying, yes, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I need that forgiveness. I want that fresh start in God. If that is you, on the count of three, would you mind quickly putting your hand up? One, two, three, wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. These hands hands going up already on this section over there. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, over there, over there, over here, over there, the back. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, madam. Look at that. Hands going. Can we put our hands together? Celebrate every person that has put their hand up. Let me tell you, there's a party happening in heaven. Over there, sir. Thank you. To help you pray this prayer, I'm going to ask the whole church to pray this out to me. Would you pray it out nice and loud? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I invite you into my life. I ask you for forgiveness. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of the Most High God. I believe in Jesus. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen, amen, amen. Let me tell you, if you prayed that prayer, we are absolutely proud of you. Amber will come and give you some final instructions as she closes the service after we sing. But this is the most important thing. I tell people all the time, every time I lead people to the Lord, I say that your next step is to get baptized. Let me tell you, baptism is not a suggestion. Baptism is a command. And sometimes people say, hey, boy, I'm just waiting for a confirmation. I'm waiting for a sign. Guess what? I am your sign. I am the bold bald-headed Sri Lankan that God has sent you to give you confirmation to get baptized. Now is the time. God bless you. We love you. Come on, let's worship the Lord one more time. And then Amber's going to come and close. Thank you.